Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another episode of Can We Please Talk Podcast. I am Mike Leon. And one half of podcasting's most wanted. Shout out to Tupac. I'm Nick Sperry. These are getting worse and worse, man. I'm telling you right now. If I, if I, if I was on the other end, I'd be turning this off. Uh, on the program today, Hurricane Ian is barreling down in Florida as of this taping. Uh, I am okay, everybody. Don't worry. I live in Miami. Take a look at a map. Uh, it's happening in Tampa. Uh, Nick and I with the latest on that. Like, we'll pretend to be meteorologists on that front, Nick. Uh, plus, later on in the program, Peter Lapp, a former FBI special agent and unit chief in charge of espionage, Nick, uh, he is going to come on to talk to us about everything happening with the Trump FBI DOJ investigation, plus this new book that Peter is behind called The Queen of Cuba. Uh, if you haven't heard about this book, it's about the former Cuban spy uh, that was charged back in September of 2001, Ana Montes, who ended up being a defense intelligence analyst for the U.S., but also giving information back to the Cuban government. Peter's going to tell us about that story later on in the program. Um, some housekeeping notes before we get into our show, Nick. Uh, LeonMediaNetwork.com, Leon Media Network on LinkedIn. Follow us, new site, new handles. You can check out all the great content that we're creating over there from podcasts to the docu-series. We're going to be playing in the coming weeks, Nick, uh, a bunch of clips from focus groups that I've done in Miami and in Chicago with Latino voters getting their take on a few different things. We even spoke to a couple of different professors uh, in, in Cuban-American studies, one in Latin American studies, to really understand what is happening with my people, right? What uh, 62.1 million Latinos here in the United States and a huge demographic that's going to impact elections to come. And I did some research and focus group studies and things like that. I'm going to play some of that stuff, all of that under the Leon Media Network banner. So check that out. Uh, if you don't already follow us on social media, Twitter, can we please talk? IG, TikTok, at can we please talk podcast? Follow us there. Leave us a five star review and comment, please. And then October 27th, don't forget. Thursday, October 27th, uh, City Tap House uh, over there in Penn Quarter, Washington, D.C. We can't wait to see some of you folks out there and then hear from some of the fantastic guests that you've heard on this program before. They're going to be live in person with us. Uh, Nick, how are you doing? Besides everything, there, it's a long rundown now. The, the Leon Media Network uh, housekeeping notes, uh, it's long. It's getting longer, which is good to hear. How are you? Good buddy? thing. I, that's a good thing. Yeah, no, full disclosure. Uh, you know, Mike was asking for me to submit a bio for the website. So I'm excited to be, you know, from from jump when we had talked about, you know, you moving forward with, you know, creating this media company, it was just exciting. You know, it became 
you know, knowing that this ship, you know, is a banner. You know, it's one of um, hopefully other entities that will live, you know, live with LMN. Uh, so, A, I'm just glad to be a part of it. Um, yeah, but super excited for the work that you're doing, you know, the program you're working on. Um, so, yeah, just all all kinds of cool stuff. You know, having me write the bio reminded me of you know, some of the stuff I enjoyed in my, in my broadcasting work previously and, and getting a chance to bring it here, which was especially cool. So th- along with that and. You know, getting ready for DC. Those are the two things here. You know, family as well, man. Like I said, I've been texting you constantly just to get yeah. updates with what's going on. You know, for someone not living in Florida, I see a lot of the video through Twitter about what's going on at Fort Myers. You know, seeing, I mean, you're looking at homes that are, and obviously we're going to get into this more in detail, but, you know, for folks who are seeing all this th- stuff being pl- played out through social media, and this is definitely one of the benefits of it, is just seeing videos from people locally, just putting up there what they're seeing. Someone had posted a camera, positioned it at six feet, just to give you a sense of the height. And you're seeing water levels exceeding it. You know, folks, I'm not six feet tall. So I'm looking at that saying, yeah, I'd be be drowning out there, right? Like this is is just running wild through the streets in Florida. And as Mike had mentioned, um, you're thankfully in a safer place. We have a mutual friend down there uh, in West Palm Beach. They're doing okay. But yeah, I mean, storms of Florida, sadly, are kind of like, you know, Baseball and jazz, like it is part of the American experience, um, regrettably. But yeah, our you know thoughts are with you all. Just hoping sure you, other folks you have in Florida, I know your mom's in Orlando, and just yeah. make sure everybody is safe. Yeah, man, it's it's hurricane season, man. This is this is what happens, unfortunately. And there's always probably maybe one or two storms that make landfall. Yeah, as a category one tropical storm, maybe they reach to a two. Haven't had a major storm like this, but you know what? Let's get into it because you know right now happening in Florida, hurricane. Ian is barreling down. It made landfall as a Category 4 storm on the southwestern coast of Florida. I I mentioned this in the beginning, joking, but being serious because I've gotten a lot of text messages from folks. I am okay, folks. Miami is down all the way in the south, southeast, okay? And the Tampa, Sarasota area, Fort Myers, Naples, that's all to the west and north of me. Uh, The cone is starting to move a little bit more over uh, Tampa and kind of making more inland, maybe a hard right potentially going on the outskirts to Orlando where they'll get a lot of rainfall. Um, As of this taping right now, there's probably about 2 million people without power in Florida, according to poweroutage.us. Nine counties are reporting more than uh, 50% of track customers without power. Um, There's a bunch of flash flood emergencies issued for parts of Southwest Florida, Uh, A lot of stuff that's happening here. We've seen the crazy videos that Nick was mentioning before of just the water levels rising on the highways. I saw a video of a shark in one of those water uh, scenes there where somebody was driving on the highway. Take a listen to a little bit of some of the coverage as well of this storm as it's made impact. We are witnessing what is a catastrophe unlike anything that that state has seen in years. One of the most powerful storms to hit America in recorded history. Hurricane Ian we're talking about. It did weaken to a tropical storm overnight, taking a bite out of the Gulf Coast there. But this storm is far from over. It is now churning to the east. Images like the ones you're seeing now are becoming all too familiar for many Floridians up and down the coast. And to get a sense of just how quickly Ian overwhelmed the state, we also want to show you this footage from Sanibel. That is a beautiful island community that is just a couple hours southwest of here. The storm arrived so forcefully that one beachside camera there lost visibility in just a matter of minutes. And this time-lapse video shows floodwaters powered ashore by fierce winds, rapidly overtaking city streets. A section of the bridge that was connecting that island to the mainland completely wiped out, making it unreachable. Governor Ron DeSantis last night called Ian the biggest flood event the state's southwest region has ever seen and added that the recovery to come is going to require the biggest logistical effort in state history. Nick, these storms are starting to get more and more frequent and and the ramifications of you know the impact of the the areas that they're hitting the devastations we've covered tornadoes on this program we've covered other uh events that signify a change in in the climate nick uh the global uh the the earth nick miami's at sea level the waters the water levels are rising glaciers are melting why don't people Get some of this stuff. I know you're going to get into some of this stuff, but Hurricane Ian uh, making land. Ian, excuse me, making landfall. Ian or Ian? 
Eh, we'll, we'll find out. Um, but it's made landfall now. Uh, give me some of your takeaways on, on the hurricane itself and, and everything that we're seeing coverage wise, why the networks make people stand out there in category four storms and get hit by branches. I'll never understand it. I got asked once upon a time in Fox to go cover Katrina in New Orleans. I politely declined. Uh, <laughs> exactly. You're making that face. But hey, that's what PAs get paid to do, right? Go to some of those storms and help out. Uh, give me some of your takeaways overall on the storm. Yeah. First, let's understand that, you know, as Hurricane Ian is moving up what looks like the eastern coast of Florida, you know, we're going to keep talking about Florida a lot. But the reality is this is going to keep moving. It's going to potentially move through the southeast. You know, so what the effects may be for neighboring states is what we're all going to experience. You know, I currently obviously I live in Pennsylvania. You know, for us, as it travels northward, and we're just going to see where the storm moves. Uh, I sound like such a meteorologist right now, but you know, we're all going to experience something on the East Coast. It's going to be either heavier rain, it's going to be colder temperatures. But you know, Mike, as you were talking about climate change, you know, we're now ten years removed from Hurricane Sandy. Yeah, you know, as we think about hurricanes, that was in fall of twenty twelve, I believe. Um, you know, so we've we've seen it, not obviously to the extent that Florida has, but you know the. We've talked about the origins of these storms, right? You're talking about rising temperatures and water, you know, mixed with colder air. And what is being produced are these types of storms that become more frequent. And the destruction that we're going to see from this hurricane, you know, one of the first things that comes to mind is insurance. And this has actually been coming up in, you know, Florida politics about homeowners insurance uh, that the can that the um, challenger, you know, Charlie Crist has been talking about. And that I, that's one of the things that just runs through my mind because I'm a homeowner. And you think about you know, you're seeing. Mike, there's video in Fort Myers of like houses floating down the street. You know, I mean, that's that's like Wizard of Oz stuff, right? And it's, and I look at that, and the first thing, and this maybe is kind of give me giving away my age. I'm just thinking, how in the world? What is the settlement for something like that? There was a video of someone swimming, and I would not recommend this for anyone, even though this looks pretty cool to do. I saw swimming this. in their basement, like yeah. ducking their head in, and like no. No, there's all kinds of chemicals. What are you doing? But not to mention the fact that we're talking about property destruction. And this is just running through parts of Florida on the eastern side. And you just it runs through your mind. What does this look like? And again, we saw this with Sandy 10 years ago. And what is the devastation continuing moving upward? You know, the trend now is we are in October. We're in the midst of hurricane season. But you know, is this the last major storm that we're going to see in 2022? We don't know. And what we've seen over these last few years, and if we use Sandy as a marker 10 years ago, that this trend continues, that we're seeing more and more storms coming through. And it's not just, oh, Florida, this is just becoming a trend. We're seeing this storm, these types of storms more frequently, which is telling you that something has changed within the water. And Mike, you know, you've asked, you just asked a moment ago, rhetorically, you know, what can we do? I'm starting to turn the corner to the to the frame of mind of I don't know if there's any options left. I don't know what changes you make to lower water temperature. This feels a little like the damage has already been done and now we're about to see as a as a global community what is the what is going to be nature's payback to this. And I'm not trying to sound alarmist, but I'm just struggling with, you know, if you have rising water temperature, what what do you do to cool that down? Three quarters of the world, three quarters of Earth is in water. Correct. Um, I don't, I'm not sure what our, our, our recourse is. Yeah, that's what climate scientists say. We're already, we're, we're probably 20, 30 years already behind doing something. Uh, western part of Florida, I wanted to correct you on there. The eastern part of Florida has been okay. Just rain and, and things like that as the cone starts to make uh, landfall and make a turn, maybe going up. There's a lot of sporting events that may be impacted. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers may be shifting their game. Florida State has a big game against Wake Forest up there. So a lot of stuff may start shifting. Uh, if you want to help, by the way, you mentioned storms. I mean, my people, the people of Puerto Rico are still going through with the hurricane that passed through there in Fiona a couple weeks back. Uh, but if you want to help any of the victims as well as Hurricane Ian touched down in Cuba as well, killing a couple of people, you want to help the good folks in, in, in PR and in Cuba and the folks that are going to be affected in Florida from Naples to Sanibel Island to all the places we've mentioned so far, Fort Myers, Sarasota, as this storm continues to make landfall and damage, you can head to redcross.org to support the Red Cross mission to help all these hurricane victims. Uh, I know Nick and I are going to be donating to that and we'll have the show links uh, available in our show notes page there. So just click on that link there and make a donation to help out 
the folks that have been affected by these hurricanes. When we come back, speaking of a hurricane, this man came through like a hurricane, a category five. Peter Lapp was a former FBI special agent in charge of espionage, Nick. He's going to help us break down everything happening with the Trump DOJ FBI investigation, the latest Pete Lapp when we come back after the break. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. All right, Pete Lapp is a former, retired now, FBI special agent. He joins us here on the Can We Please Talk podcast to help us uh, dissect everything going on with the Trump FBI DOJ investigation. Pete, Mike, Leon, Nick Saveri, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with us. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Thank you both for having me. It's a I'm humbled and honored to be on your on your podcast. Well, Pete, that's a soundbite that will live now in infamy. And thank you. Thank you for saying that. Uh, you, we Pete. make sure our producer cuts that out, uh, Tim. Um, Pete, I want I want to ask you right off at the top, because I, I was mentioning to you off air that we we have a mutual friend, Frank Figluzzi, the, the former FBI assistant director, who's now an NBC security analyst. And uh, we were talking with him and we wanted to get a little bit more into the weeds on the Trump, uh, you know, FBI investigation, obviously now with the special master, it's been kind of held up. But um, I want to get at a 30,000 foot view from you. Um, has there been anything stunning, anything going as expected from an investigation standpoint as you kind of read the tea leaves, maybe talk to some of your former colleagues, et cetera, et cetera? Anything stand out of note to you? Or is this just kind of run of the mill? Hey, the FBI has something. They don't just show up at your front door. Well, let me let me give you a little bit about my history. I spent time at the Washington field office uh, here in D.C. in the espionage branch. You know, this is the case that's being worked primarily out of the espionage branch at the field office. And but not for retiring, I possibly could have been drawn into work this investigation. It's it's part of the counterintelligence program at the Washington field office, but it's 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 specifically in a group of squads that work nothing but espionage and espionage-related violations or allegations. And that's important because they're kind of on a wall between counterintelligence with the focus not being necessarily a prosecution um, and criminal, which is obviously a focus. They're kind of in that national security counterintelligence, but, but criminal could go criminal very quickly. You know, the Hansen case... Um, the uh, the Myers case, the Ames case, the Snowden case are all worked out of that Washington field office espionage branch. So very professional, very diligent people working, very used to working with FISAs and also grand jury and criminal search warrants. Um, you know, obviously the news 
of the the executing of the federal criminal search warrant was uh, unbelievable, um, unprecedented, and and you know to be honest with you, as an American citizen, startling. It is. It was obviously something that we have never experienced uh, in 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 modern times, where a former president's house is being searched by the FBI as part of a a, a court approved. Uh, criminal search warrant. And I think that was startling enough to me. Um, but the picture that the FBI released really jumped out at me. And, and that's, that was my my kind of oh, oh, oh darn moment, if you will, because the type of, of, of covers that, that you saw, the public saw, you know, the top secret covers and the secret covers and all those different markings those were things I worked with and were used to within the FBI, but to have them in the public space was was just startling. And the fact that there was writing like HCS, which is a special access program, a compartment um, that was that was closely held by by those that control HCS really really jumped out at me and was incredibly startling to be honest with you and it, it, it's it's scary um for for a variety of different reasons you know as a as a former investigator he just from your experience and what you were just speaking to and you're just taking us through one photo that we all saw you know early on the word espionage has been thrown out you know that's been brought up as as a potential charge here from everything you know so far does that seem like a viable argument for the for the department of justice so, so I look at it in terms of espionage and espionage related. There's obviously the Espionage Act of 1917, which which has, you know, the 794 charge, which in my mind is the classic espionage. It's what Ames and Hansen and Montez were charged with. It's providing national defense information to a foreign power. Right. You, and it's usually a clandestine relationship. That to me is what I consider espionage. Espionage related is not insignificant, but it's it's more of a, a, a Snowden fact pattern, if you will. It's a Sandy Berger fact pattern. It's a General Petraeus fact pattern. I mean, he was he was charged with what I would consider to be espionage related charges of mishandling classified information. He didn't commit espionage. He didn't provide it to the Russians, the Chinese, or the Cubans. Gave it to a, 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 a someone, his girlfriend, who didn't have a clearance. So it was espionage related. I think it's important to make that distinction because espionage is super, super serious. And espionage related is serious, but we're 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 not talking about you know, as far as we know in the current public domain, the former president handing classified information to a foreign power. And I hope we never get to that point because that is, that is really, um, we, we will go far into the unprecedented world. I hope we're just talking about uh, a mishandling espionage related type charge. If, if there are charges for anyone at some point in time. Assuming it, it would be espionage related, what, type of penalty, what what may be the ramifications in your view uh, for, for the former president and associates possibly? Well, anyone who's charged with that, you know, it, the, the, so when you go to espionage, right, you're looking at uh, a life sentence uh, or, or death. I mean, the death penalty is, is still a viable option for espionage. Okay. And, and, it, it, to me, emphasizes the point of how incredibly serious the government takes classifying, especially special access programs. You know, those in the Espionage Act, and you look under 794, there's seven different types of information that can result in the death penalty. Robert Hansen gave the Russians the identity of three individuals that the U.S. intelligence community had recruited in Russia who were committing espionage for us and against the Russian government. The Russians found them because Rob Hansen gave them the names and they were investigated, arrested, and executed. That became a death penalty count. It, it, it shows me how serious, and it shows the public, I think, how serious 
the government takes classifying special access programs and all of the different compartments that unfortunately you saw on the floor of a public hotel. Um, again, you know, the espionage related sentence, you know, we're looking at probably, you know, about 10 years, give or take in terms of a, a normal sentencing. Um, you know, Sandy Berger didn't do any, any jail time. General Petraeus didn't do any jail time. They were all negotiated pleas. There were significant punishments. You know, General Petraeus lost his clearance and had to pay a hundred thousand dollar fine. And and there were serious repercussions to his espionage related plea. Um, but but we could be looking at a relatively significant period of time in terms of a sentencing. It's not as extreme as it would be if it was espionage under the espionage related. It's it's less time, if you will, because I think the impact the government looks at in terms of it's a, it's less damaging handing it to you know Chinese the Russians the Cubans and letting them have that information without our knowledge that's incredibly damaging having mishandling it and having outside the control of the government not quite as damaging as espionage you know I'm so glad you said that Pete you fed right into the follow-up almost like a Stockton to Malone type of pass um so let me dunk it here as the mailman would um you uh, we talked about the mutual friend that we have with Frank Figluzzi over at NBC he said this recently when he was on White House uh, deadline uh, White House, excuse me, with Nicole Wallace. I want to play the clip for you and then I want to get your reaction on the opposite side. This information and these markings indicate it's so sensitive, so sensitive that it's going to become problematic to prosecute Trump for this. I have had cases, numerous cases in my in my career, and I, as AD of counterintelligence, I, I oversaw all espionage cases where certain three-letter agencies came to us, Nicole, and said, yes, you caught the guy, but you this can't ever see the light of day, and we're not going to support a prosecution. And then, you know, we go back and forth. Well, um, let's give everybody a clearance. Yes, okay, you can do that. Let's do this in camera with the judge. Okay, but ultimately, we've got to get out there and explain what it was and how damaging it was. We're at that level now where it's so incredibly sensitive that it's going to be a challenge to prosecute it. So, Pete, um, in your estimation, obviously, I, I saw you nod your head. Obviously, Frank is right, but there's this two-lane street here as a as a just an American citizen. You were mentioning this before. If nothing happens here, right, and we get the espionage adjacent, right, or related, um, and there's no real penalty for the former president, then you know, kind of, it's a, it's a bad precedent going forward. But if we get the espionage part of this. We could get a lot of this stuff playing out in the legal realm. And like Frank said, now you get sources and methods that are compromised. Is he right? What do you make of his entire clip there? And then like what he said about prosecuting this. 100% right. Um, I myself, in my experience, and we'll talk about Anna Montes, you know, towards the end. I came across information that was a special access program during the course of the investigation. I had a top secret clearance. I had many compartments why they didn't have this particular compartment. I wasn't read into this SAP. I found the information on her personal computer that had been underneath her bed in her private home. That SAP, I had to get read into. And, and although it was on the desk of Fidel Castro, I didn't have the right clearance to, to read it, even though I was reading it. I had to get read into it. We couldn't use that. We used it towards prosecution, but we had to redact most of the good stuff and and it was it was incredibly damaging information she knew how damaging it was and it, it could have related in a death penalty charge but because of how classified it was like you said like frank said the agency that owned that information would never allow us to use it in court we're probably seeing that with the information that was on the, the floor underneath of the of, of the cover sheets. We're going to be lucky if we find, and my friend uh, Brandon Van Greck calls it the Goldilocks document. I didn't create invent that, that phrase, he did. Um, the perfect document that's classified enough, but not too classified where we're going to, um, you know, negatively really impact a source or a method and that we can declassify the right way the appropriate way, not thinking about it or magic wands, but actually going through a process 
and then use that towards a prosecution. That's that's the hope that there's something there. And, and don't get me wrong, there are conspiracy folks that will still say, well, it wasn't really that classified. If the current administration declassifies that information, what was the big deal? Um, but my fear is, and I think we're on the same page, that um, some of that, all that stuff is so classified that it will never see the light of day. And there won't be some kind of disclosure of charges to anybody that this case just kind of gets closed because that information is so sensitive. And let's be honest, presidents don't get run-of-the-mill information. They get the best of the best intelligence that the U.S. government has. They may not need to know the name of a source that's providing, that's under the HCS. They may not need to know the name of that individual, may not be given the name, but they get really good intelligence as commander in chief. And therefore, everything that was on that floor, I suspect, is is really, really good intelligence and and therefore probably going to be a challenge to find something, that nugget, that Goldilocks that can be de declassified for use in, in some prosecution of someone. In your, in your own experience, have you ever encountered something like that before where someone has mishandled classified documents? So I also worked the Sandy Berger case. I, uh, I searched his, his, his office. He was an attorney. And when we executed a criminal search warrant, much like was done in Mar-a-Lago, um, I went to his office to do a search uh, to look for uh, classified documents. In that case, we were looking for very specific documents. Um, he no longer had, no longer worked for the government. This was part of the 9-11 Commission, and he was doing research to help answer questions from the 9-11 Commission. So she, he retained his clearance and was looking through classified documents at the National Archives, the same organization, the same agency that is um, you know, kind of in the news with with uh, with former president, um, and he stuffed some classified documents in his sock as he was leaving the National Archives. A skiff. Um, now we we're only talking about a handful of documents because how many documents can you really stuff in your sock? Not many. Um, but yeah, I was a part of that investigation. I wasn't the case agent, but I assisted with it and. And, this, and the, the, the facts are, in, in there are some similarities in the facts and what we're seeing in Mar-a-Lago in terms of a mishandling of classified information. Again, espionage related versus espionage. And I think that's a key distinction that hopefully we can help the general public make through your podcast is it, there is a, a big difference between espionage and espionage related investigations. Pete, early on, when the FBI had executed the warrant, you know, one of the things we heard from the former president's camp, you know, supporters uh, were erroneous and evasive statements such as evidence was planted. That was a popular one that had been put out there. You know, as a former member of the FBI, and again, thank you for your service. You know, how does someone like that, how does that make you feel? I mean, here's a former president and supporters of him basically denigrating your office and the work you've all done. You know, what was your reaction when you're hearing those kinds of accusations initially uh, in response to the FBI executing its warrant? You know, unfortunately, uh, I've, I've become numb, to be honest with you, about the former president's criticism of the FBI. It's been going on for you know, the better part of almost six, seven years now. I'm not surprised. Um, I know, I know the some of the agents I know personally. Uh, there were two agents who were actually doxxed, whose names were on the um, the inventory, the search inventory, and was left a copy at Mar-a-Lago. Two agents had their true names on there. The court redacted their names when they unsealed that part of the search warrant. But somehow Brebart got a copy of it and two agents who I know personally who are good, good people have had lunch with them. Um, their names are out there and being slammed by um, folks. That's the part that's disgusting to me um, and, and, and highly disappointing. You know, FBI agents and employees, they, they work hard every day to protect the American people and uphold the Constitution. I can guarantee you none of these agents that are working this case, I was privileged to work a big case that ended up making the news and being part of a, 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 a story that hasn't gone away. That's a career case. None of these agents are looking at this case going, wow, 
I really can't wait to work this case because this is going to be great. They're doing their jobs. They answered the phone or it's on their squad. The, the, the allegation landed on someone's desk in some squad and said, here, here's an allegation. We have to follow it. Go do your job. And they're just doing their jobs. And that's the frustrating part because I know them personally. I'm not above criticizing the FBI where they need to be criticized. This is not that case. This is not that case. And these are good people that are working this investigation and doing the best that they can. They're just following the facts and letting them take take the investigation where it goes. And uh, we have yet to see where that's going to end. But um, my heart my heart bleeds for them because, you know, it, they're just trying to do their job. And some of them in the course of doing their job are being being doxxed and becoming public. And and uh, it's a lot of ugly stuff out there that's uh, disturbing. Yeah, that's for sure. Pete, you know, you are continuing the trend of setting it up almost like a t-ball coach setting it up and a four-year-old hitting it out of the park. So I want to follow up because um, the two things before we get into your your case with Anna Montes, the career case that you alluded to, um, you've been saying a lot of different terms here in relation to how an investigation starts. Can you take our audience through that, like what these terms actually mean and how you think or know potentially because of the people you've talked to that have been involved with this? how this all came to be like how does this land on someone's desk and then what's the kind of chain of command or the process that a normal fbi agent would go and then escalate this and eventually what ends up happening in, in mar-a-lago so let me be clear i haven't talked to anybody currently working the case about the case i haven't had any conversations with them they're a little busy right now um they don't have time for pete lap and that's fine um I'm, I'm going to give you my my uh, opinion based on my experience when when I was on the job. An allegation would come to the FBI. More likely than not, it would go to FBI headquarters. NARA would have come over to FBI headquarters and said, we have a problem. Here's what we have. And, and here's, a, here's an initial write-up of the facts that we know. Um, FBI headquarters would determine if there's enough predication to open a case. And, and obviously, there's a lawfully predicated investigation that was approved. This case, the, the, the facts and the allegation, I assure you, would have went all the way up to the director of the FBI. He would have more than likely given his blessing to say, we're going to open a criminal investigation, an espionage-related investigation involving the former president of the United States. So that case then, what they would have looked at in terms of what office should work it with NARA being in DC, kind of like with Sandy Berger, it made sense that Washington Field was the office of origin, the OO. And then obviously because of Mar-a-Lago being in Florida, um, they would have received help in executing the search from the Miami office. Um, there's probably leads that are being run out of different field offices, but there's you know a supervisor who's running this case. There's a case agent, there's maybe two case agents, and there's a number of people that are working this following the leads, doing the interviews, maybe they're looking at CCTV, if there was coverage down in Mar-a-Lago, trying to piece together the story, looking to identify all the facts. That's all they're trying to do is identify the facts, understand everything that could be known. And, and I, I assure you that this is probably the most scrutinized investigation the FBI has ever undergone by FBI senior leadership, by DOJ senior leadership, by the attorney general himself, more than likely. I can't think of another. There have been bigger investigations. 9-11 was a huge investigation because it it, you know, every field office was 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 running leads and the impact. Um, but this is certainly, in my opinion, the most scrutinized internal investigation probably ever to have undergone. The, the 302s of every interview are being reread and reread and reread and make, made sure that every um, uh, T is crossed and I is dotted. There's no question. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine. Uh, you know, you would know better than us, Pete. Um, well, let's talk about a case. This is not a fun case because of that. The, you, right. agent, you, don't, you know you have oversight. You know how you have bosses. You know you have headquarters managing you. Um, th th this case has a million bosses and it, it's not, 
enjoyable from I would I I had did not have this kind of experience and I'm thankful. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's get into your experience uh because uh like you were mentioning before and you're writing a book about it. Uh tell us the story behind Ana Montes. I, I alluded to it at the beginning of of the segment. She was a former defense intelligence analyst for the US. She was doubling as a Cuban spy, she was charged in September. As funny enough, in 9-11 and 2001, a lot of people may not know about this insane story. I told you I was Cuban-American, so I do happen to know a little bit about it. Uh, why don't you tell our audience about it and the subsequent book that's coming out about it? Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Ten days after 9-11, uh, the FBI arrested a woman, which is rare, for committing espionage against the United States for Cuba. Again, very rare. Um, she was the senior analyst at the Defense Intelligence Agency at DIA, and the and, uh, DIA is 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 kind of like the CIA for the Department of Defense. They collect military intelligence. They analyze military intelligence for DOD. Um, you know, part of the intelligence community. And from day one, when she walked into DIA in 1985, she was a fully recruited agent of the Cuban intelligence service. The only reason she went to work for the government was to spy for the Cubans. Again, very rare. Most of the spies that we've arrested over the years, Hanson, Ames, Pitts, et cetera, they all start loyal, take the oath, go through the training like I did, and then something happens down the road and they flip. Um, her goal was to was to go to DIA and and, and every day she worked really for the Cubans and not for the United States. Um, so about a year ago, I decided to to write a book about her. Uh, I've called it the Queen of Cuba because her reputation within the intelligence community was that she was the Queen of Cuba. Um, Malcolm Gladwell actually wrote a chapter in his book called Talking to Strangers called the Queen of Cuba. I swear, Malcolm, I did not take it from you. I'm honored to be associated, but I, you know, if anything, Malcolm owes me because he knows her name because I arrested her and had and was with a team of folks that arrested her. So um, I'd like to tease a little bit about that. But it's it's a story about the investigation. I wanted to, you know, FISA, you're familiar probably with the term FISA. It's been in the news, you know, with Carter Page and the FBI. Not a good news story for the Bureau. Uh, there were a lot of mistakes made. And this is not a political observation. This is an observation that the inspector general made for the Department of Justice about the FBI and the Carter Page FISA. We used FISA in the right way with Montez, and it was critical to helping us prove the case. So it's a, an invaluable tool for the FBI to have. It's an important tool. And, and it, the public needs to know that FISA came as a result of the illegality that J. Edgar Hoover and his FBI conducted against people like Dr. King and Black Panther Party and a whole bunch of other folks where, where he illegally tapped their phones and did some things. And that's the origin of FISA. So I wanted to tell a good news story for the Bureau. Um, obviously, timing is very good because espionage and espionage-related investigations is, is in the news. Um, the interesting thing, if I haven't already said enough interesting things, she gets out of prison on January 6th this year. And uh, she was sentenced in a plea agreement to 25 years, although it's only been about 23 years. She's getting time off for good behavior. And actually the, the sentencing reform that, that President Trump signed uh, reduced some of her, her time as well. It's unusual, if not extremely rare, for someone of this caliber who did this much damage and this much notoriety, at least within government. I know the general public isn't necessarily aware of it. Anna Montes is not a household name yet, um, but it's incredibly rare that someone of this magnitude ever walks out of prison. You know, Hanson will die in prison and Rick Ames will die in prison. Um, they have a life sentence and Anna Montes will leave on January 6th. She's going to do the, uh, you know, she'll she'll remake a scene of Shawshank Redemption where they they open the door and they give her her little suitcase and she she walks out and they close the door and they say, OK, you're free. Good luck getting to wherever you're going next. And uh, she'll be living among us, which which, you know, I, I you know, I don't know how I feel about that, to be honest with you, because she hates our country. She hates what our country does 
in in parts of the world, but you're now going to live in the United States for for the you know the perceivable couple of years or 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 how long um, you decide to live here or how long you live. So it's just going to be interesting that we have a a convicted spy of that magnitude living among us somewhere, and uh, it should be should be kind of interesting how she's treated. Um, yeah. By her neighbors, you know, family and and friends, uh, people that she comes in contact with. Well, we're interested to read the book. I know I am. Uh, like I said, I know the the story of Anna Montez. Uh, obviously, I'm not a Cuban spy. Everybody, so calm down. Don't write me any letters. Uh, Pete, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on the program today. We're gonna when that book comes out. Welcome to come back on the program to talk about it for sure, because we're excited to read that. Uh, Pete Lap, follow him on social media. I think he's somewhere on social media, but you can follow him now. At Pete Lap on Twitter. Pete there Lapp. we go. There we go. And we'll look out for the book. Pete, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast today. We're us. Continue success to you, sir. And please stay safe. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate your time. Nick, as always, the presenting sponsor of Can We Please Talk is Fresh Roasted Coffee. Since 2009, this Pennsylvania-based company has been giving out the good stuff in terms of coffee, roasted coffee, coffee pots, teapots, tea bags, merchandise, and more. FreshRoastedCoffee.com or click the link in our show notes for a discount. But first, hear from the man who knows coffee better than anybody on this two-man panel, Nick Saveri. Fresh Roasted Coffee. Give the people a reason to go to that URL, to go to that website. Go now, folks. <laughs> you got you got flavored coffee. You've got single origin coffee. You know, FreshRoastedCoffee.com provides both opportunities. And depending on whichever way you are, you are with your morning Java, they've got your options. As Mike mentioned, tea, if you're a tea drinker. Folks, if you are a caffeine consumer, Fresh Roasted Coffee is the place for you. They also give you an opportunity to learn about their products. When you get there, take the quick quiz, only a couple of questions, you'll find out what coffee makes sense for you, and then it's very easy to buy it. In addition, if you brew your coffee a couple different ways, Mike's a Keurig guy, I'm a French press person, You know, if you're a Chemex person like I've been as well, there's so many different ways you can learn how to make really good coffee. So if you save yourself a trip at the coffee shop, this place has got it for you. Freshroastedcoffee.com is definitely the place to go to fill all your coffee needs. That's right. And, and if you click on our show notes right now, you'll see a link to freshroastedcoffee.com. You got to click on that link and you're going to get a special discount promo code applied at checkout. Head to that link in our show notes right now and get in on some of this delicious tasting coffee today. All right. Our thank yous there to Pete Lap. That was, that was fun. That was legitimately a fun interview. You know, I want to shout out our producer, Tim, who wanted me to ask about like 10 conspiracy questions on the FBI. But Pete touched on all of them. If Pete touched on all of them. Nick said we can't do it because uh, you show can, you can do it. I'm just saying like <laughs> it, was, it, it was funny. We had like 10 Inside more questions. Of, yeah. Hey, we you want like uh, poke the FBI. No, 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 I don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. He did it for us. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. He really did. Uh, you could check out like he mentioned, follow him at Pete Lap on Twitter. If you have him on LinkedIn, check him out. When that book comes out, The Queen of Cuba, Anna Montez, you know, I, I know the story uh, decently well because, you know, heard about it when it came out. By the way, Anna Montez getting arrested on 9-11 under the radar. She gets out on January 6th under the radar. We all know what happened in January 6th in this country. Boy, she's, you know, she's skating free over here on some of these milestone <laughs> dates that she's getting released in charge. I thought about that. Should have mentioned that to Pete. Um, would you make of uh, first, let's get on the FBI DOJ investigation and some of the stuff Pete gave because espionage, espionage related, I thought super interesting. The distinction I have not heard across television, radio, podcast. I think that's a very important distinction. He har He harped on it a few times. I'm going to harp on it even more on this side, because I really think that <clears throat> I didn't even know that, you know, and he gave the different examples of cases where it was espionage related with General Petraeus and then actual espionage cases and cases that were tried and people that are still in jail and going to be in jail for the rest of their lives. So give me a little bit of the overall and his perspective on the FBI and then a little bit on on Pete and the Anamante stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll sound cliche here, but this is why we do this show, you know, because like like you, myself, you know, when when the FBI executed that warrant, you know, and I was away on summer vacation when it happened, you know, we're all thinking like this is it. This is about this is just going to get crazy. Uh, we're hearing all kinds of things getting thrown around out there. And espionage came up, you know, the Espionage Act of 1917 you know, was brought up. And at face value, we're all thinking 
did he did the former president give information away to you know foreign nationals and, and may have, it may have happened we, we still don't know but you know what Pete brings up is like there's a very clear distinction here and when we asked him about sentencing you're looking at in espionage again you're looking at life in prison and in some cases death espionage related you know potentially up to 10 years again we're talking federal prison this is not you know mar-a-lago country club style in either case we're looking at some serious you know serious ram- legal ramifications but it's important to know the distinction between the two between that you know him giving us really the 30,000 foot overview of Anamantos' story that Mike you obviously know a little bit more too just really exciting like if you hear a story like that you're like grabbing your phone like where do I pre-order this like I need this book now um and obviously you know that'll become available <clears throat> you know in December but he was great just easy to talk to we're so excited to just be able to talk to him again but and also just taking us through the work of the field office I appreciate him bringing up the fact that you know he knows some of the people who execute that warrant you know, in August. Um, and, you know, it just feels for them because these folks are simply, and again, folks, if you are, I don't, most of our listeners are not in this category, but some of you may be, where you're questioning whether this, you know, warrants are executed and where's evidence planted. And these are real people doing real jobs, serious jobs. And this is not to be taken lightly. Um, and these folks take this seriously. And for them to be identified, put out there, which I do argue was done intentionally by Trump's camp, it's scary. And, you know, for a former colleague of theirs in Pete to just uh, be very open with us about the fact that this is a, a really difficult thing for people to do in, the, in terms of this particular case. It's not the glamorous stuff, um, but it's also some real life ramifications. People get names outed out there. You know, we've talked about this with the CIA previously. You know, once that happens, that's hard to maintain a career, Mike, once your name gets put out there and be able to do that job faithfully. So, you know, we, we saw a little bit of Pete's heartbreaking as he's telling us this story. But yeah, in general, fascinating stuff. That book is coming out, can't come out fast enough. Yeah. Um, I'm just grateful for Pete just taking us a little bit inside the bureau. Yeah. You know, uh, I was going to say, and you hear the music playing us off here, but you you want to live in that ethos, that Breitbart, that Ben Shapiro, that, that kind of world? go on down the street there's tons of content in that lane i don't want to live in that lane at all that's why we do what we do here we talk to people who know what they're talking about so shout out to pete lap there and follow him on social media for this show keep following us on social media ig tiktok at can we please talk podcast twitter can we please talk the new site leonmedianetwork.com where you can see all the great content that we're cooking up over here under the umbrella shout out to Acast, our hosting platform we cannot do it without them we can't do it without each and every one of you that listens to this program writes in good, bad, or indifferent interviews like we just had with Pete are the reason why we talk to people who know what they're talking about. As always, I am Mike Leon. And making sure there's still room on the Leon Media bandwagon for people who want to jump on, though there may not be many seats left. Get on board. I'm Nick Saveri. Better hurry up. See everybody next time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.